Yeah, it's Resurrection Sunday. Woo! Yes, our Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I love preaching on Resurrection Sunday because it's a day of miracles. The greatest miracle of all was the rising of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen? Accompanied by the fact that he still lives. He's living today. He lives in each one of us who believes. He's here in this house. He is alive. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I feel so blessed preaching on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. You know, from time to time, we all struggle with the dilemma of believing versus doubting. Who knows what I'm talking about? Even the best of us, I reckon, even the best of us have moments when we will doubt or we will question. Recently, I had reason to question whether what I was believing was truth. When my five-year-old great-nephew Harrison um, rang on the phone, I picked it up. Hello, this is Pam. Auntie Pam, this is Harrison. Hi, Harrison, how are you? I'm good, he says. He used to say, I'm good. I'm good, he says. I'm good. I said, what have you been doing today? I went fishing with Dad. Really? Did you catch any fish? Yes. What did you catch? I caught a shark. No, he says, we caught a shark. I said, what? He said, caught a shark. I said, what sort of a shark? Dad, what sort of a shark was it that we caught? He said, Marco. Marco, he said, so Dad verified it, he'd caught a shark. Okay, I've caught a few little sharks in my life when I was a child, so maybe. So, did you catch other fish? Yes, lots of them. What did you have for dinner? Fried fish. You had fish fried for dinner? No, we had eel. (laughs) I said you had fried eel? Yes. I thought, well, I really should believe this child because he did catch a Marco shark. Okay. Was it good? Yeah. Did you catch anything else? Yes, he said, I caught a crayfish. Now, I may have believed he caught a Marco shark, maybe even they were eating eel, but I don't believe he caught a crayfish at five years of age. I do not believe he caught a crayfish. And so my response was, I just started to gently laugh. (laughs) because I knew that it couldn't possibly be true. But I love him, and I didn't want to make a fool of him, and I didn't want to reprimand him. I just wanted him to know that I knew that everything he had said may not have all been true. I want him to know that I knew the difference between truth and untruth. All right. The interesting thing is, the more I started laughing, it got louder and louder, and he started laughing too, and it really gave him up, because he knew he'd been caught, and we couldn't stop laughing. But you know, it's this dilemma of what do you believe and what do you doubt? Today is Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that we historically um, celebrate the miracle of Jesus' resurrection from death. After being crucified on a cross at Calvary, then entombed for three days and three nights, when the women came to the tomb, they did not find his body. They found the, the wraps that were around him, but not his body. Over the ensuing week, um, Jesus was seen by many people who witnessed that he was indeed alive. Um, today we're going to look at the story of Thomas the disciple of Jesus, who has become known as Doubting Thomas. We're going to see what we can learn from this story. The encounter between Jesus and Thomas is found in chapter 20 of the book of John. 
It's Jesus' sixth appearance recorded in the Bible after his resurrection. You see, Thomas wasn't with the disciples a week earlier on Sunday of his resurrection and when they first saw the risen Christ. So they told Thomas about it afterwards. But much as he wanted to, Thomas could not accept their account. He wanted to see Jesus for himself. He needed to personally encounter the risen Christ um, to believe that indeed after three days of being dead, he now lived. So let's read the account of, um, of this encounter between Jesus and Thomas. We find it in the book of John, chapter 20. I'm reading from verse 19 um, through to the end of the chapter. Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when those disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 20. After this, he said, after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Skipping over to verse 24. Now Thomas, named Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who are the people in the house today who have not seen but believe? Yeah. Blessed are those people who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. It's Resurrection Sunday. Time to stop doubting and to believe. It's an easy thing for us to question the faith of Thomas. After all, how could he not have believed with all the evidence that was flying around that week and what had come before? And we see in the uh, writings of the Bible that the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament writers foretold the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Son of God. For example, we read it in um, Isaiah 53. We read it in Psalm 22. It's all throughout the book the foretelling of the death and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself had even told Thomas in Matthew 16:21 he told them from this oh, from it says from this time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law and then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In Matthew 12, verse 40, Jesus says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then um, in John 14, verses 28 to 30, we see Jesus saying, I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. And yet Thomas could not believe. There were many personal accounts um, that have been recorded in the Bible of people meeting and seeing Jesus Christ in the days after his death and resurrection. Matthew 28, which the children shared this morning, is a, um, it contains that message. Luke 24, when, the two, when there were two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus came and walked with them and revealed himself to them. And then they knew that indeed he was alive again. There was no need for them to be sad but to rejoice because he, he was back again with them. And then in John 20 itself, we see Mary Magdalene who encountered him in the um, garden after he had been raised from the dead and the ten disciples themselves. Now, I want you to think about what the ten disciples would have told Thomas. They would have been excited. They would have been awestruck. They would have been overwhelmed by the truth of what they saw. And as soon as Thomas would have come in the door, he would have had ten of them talking to him all at the same time. You'll never guess what happened. We saw it with our own eyes. Don't we say that ourselves? If I don't see it with my own eyes, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's the doubt that comes up within us. But they said we've seen it with our own eyes. They all had clear, distinct, accurate accounts. All the accounts are measured up one with the other ten times perhaps 20 and 40 times, he would have heard the story over and over again. And yet, he, he could not believe. And so we say, how can he not have believed? But aren't we the same as Thomas when it comes to our faith concerns? How many times did you and I hear the gospel story of the immaculate conception, the life the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Saviour of the world, um, the one who still lives today to save and to deliver and to heal. Um, and yet, again and again, even though we heard it again and again, we still did not believe. How many repeated stories, discussions, debates did it take for us to finally believe and receive Christ as our Saviour and make him Lord of our lives? Yeah, admittedly, for some of us, we heard it for the first time, the full story, and we believed. But... I would have been one of those people who said that the first time I went to church and I heard the gospel story I received. But the truth was, when I reflect back on it, that people had witnessed to me in various ways. I'd never been to church. I didn't have um, Bible in schools when I went to school. So I didn't have any background at all. An irreligious background was my, uh, what I was brought up in. And yet people had witnessed to me. I had heard about it. 
And we want to have personal encounters with Jesus and the Holy Spirit so that we can prove that Jesus, that God's presence is real. Um, and therefore, God himself is real. We want God to answer all our prayers so we can keep on believing that he is the almighty God, the miraculous one, the all-powerful, the all-knowing. So we can keep on believing so that we know he in, he's interested in us and he knows all about us. We want the gospel, the church, the Bible, even other Christians to keep on providing for us proofs, 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 proofs. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And often it's when we're in our greatest moment, having had a great encounter with God, something happens. The enemy in the flesh has this way of dropping things in our minds or doing things in our lives which suddenly seems to make the truth unreal, doubtful. Fortunately for us, our God is a loving and merciful God who understands the humanity he has created. He knows all our frailties, weaknesses, limitations, including our propensity to doubt and not to believe. And he forgives us and never gives up on us, wanting each person, every person in the world, to have a personal relationship with him. Not just today, not for the next few years while we're enthusiastic and full of Christ, but forever. All right, so let's look briefly at how Jesus dealt with Thomas because how he deal, dealt with Thomas, I believe, is the way he deals with us and our doubt today. The first thing we see is Jesus came again. We don't know why Thomas wasn't with those disciples on the day of resurrection. Perhaps it was due to fear or depression, discouragement. Maybe he had withdrawn because it was the only way he felt he could um, deal with the loss of his friend and his master, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one for whom he had left everything, left his family, left his um, home, left his um, job, left his source of financial security and had been with him for three and a half years. With Jesus' death, everything would have seemed to have changed. Nothing was certain anymore. Um, all Thomas's hopes and expectations had been dashed. Everything seems purposeless, fruitless, worthless. What about you? When you get discouraged or depressed, where do you go? Where do you hide? Do you run to others? Do you get away from it all? Do you pretend it's not happening? Or perhaps you go to other people for comfort, for support, for advice, for help. You know, it's okay for us to hurt. Now, sometimes we bleed. It's so painful. It's okay to be discouraged and depressed at times. It's okay not to be perfect, not to function 100% all the time. For me, I usually get away from people, get away by myself. Sometimes if the pain's so great, I even have difficulty talking to God, although I know that the solution is in communication with God. But, you know, that's not how God sees it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, we read that if we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot disown his own himself. 
Jesus will keep coming again. He's the God of the second chance. Even when we temporarily give up on him, he never gives up on us. And so we see that Jesus came back again to give um, Thomas the opportunity to see him and to know the truth. The second thing we notice that Jesus does is when he came, he came to the house. He came to the house where, Jesus, where Thomas was and he came to the house um, that is Thomas. The good news is that even when we're looking after that much sought after proof, the proof will come to us. Thomas was looking for proof and proof found him. Jesus came right into the house. Similarly, when we get lost or distracted or discouraged, even when we're struggling to believe and we have doubt, Jesus is looking out for us. He's watching over us. He's nearby. He's close. He'll come. Jesus is omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere. No one misses out. He's omniscient. That means he has all knowledge. He knows everything that's going on. He's also omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. He has everything that's needed. He's in this house today. The miracle that you might be needing today is in this house today. And what's more, if you're a Christian believer, he's also in your house today. If you've ever believed in him and believe in him still, if you've ever received him as saviour and made him the boss of your life, he's here living in you and available to you right now, right here. Jesus is in you today, sealed and guaranteed by the indwelling Holy Spirit, ready and willing to respond to your every need if you would ask him. All you have to do is ask him to reveal himself to you right now right here. The third point is, the third thing we notice about Jesus and Thomas is that Jesus came to Thomas behind locked doors. What locked doors do you have in your life? Locked doors that are holding you back, causing doubt and discouragement, stopping you from stepping into all of the fullness that Jesus Christ has for you, stopping you from running into and participating in this new era that the Lord has given to Church Unlimited. What locked doors? What barriers are holding you back today? Barriers like offence, divorce, lost a job, failed career, no income, no money, no home. Barriers like hurt and fear and pain and loss and grief and betrayal, despair, hopelessness, helplessness. What barriers? These are all barriers that separate us from entering into a meaning, a real, a fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ and from walking in the fullness of life that Jesus has promised us. In response to negative and hurtful life experiences, we all put up barriers to protect ourselves. In Proverbs 17, it's, it's called high walls of destruction. We put them there to protect ourselves from the invasion of the pain and the, uh, the awful experience. But it actually leads to our destruction. For our God, however, the good news is that no barrier is too distant, no barrier is too strong, no barrier is too difficult. In Psalm 139 verse 7 we read, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, O Lord? Even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me safe. Even when we're running, 
We can't get away from him. He's right there holding us safe. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Um, Jesus can get past the locked doors and the barriers in your life. That is good news. Amen? The fourth thing we see is that Jesus came specifically for Thomas. He didn't come for the other disciples. He came for Thomas. In John 20, verse 27, we read that Jesus addressed Thomas directly when he revisited the disciples. Jesus singled Thomas out. He used Thomas's own words as confirmation that he'd heard him, listened to him, was responding to him. Jesus said to Thomas, as Thomas had said before about Jesus, Put your fingers here. See my hands in the nail holes. Put your hand into my pierced side. Even if you're the only person in the world who's doubting and in need, Jesus will come to you. Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus leaves the 99 people he's caring for to find that one lost person who's outside of his care and control. Are you discouraged today? Are you that one person? Are you looking for proof of God's love, of Jesus' presence, of the Holy Spirit's and power at work in your life? Then let me assure you, he listens, he comes, and he responds to you. He will come specifically for you today as he did for Thomas on that day over 2,000 years ago. He knows you through and through. He knows what you're thinking, planning, hoping for, discouraged about, hurt by. He knows and he sees it. And Jesus will come to you in this house, behind the barriers, specifically to you and for you. Because he knows you, he cares about you, and he loves you. All you have to do is ask him to. Finally, we see that um, Jesus came to fulfill Thomas's need for proof. Our God is a gracious, loving, caring saviour who wants you to know that he's here right now in this house, just as he came to Thomas through locked doors of unbelief, doubt, discouragement. He came because he knew and he cared. He responded to Thomas. Thomas's plea was somewhat silent. It was veiled, wasn't it? He was telling the other disciples, unless I see it, I won't believe. And God heard the plea inside that. He heard the cry of Thomas's heart. Why couldn't I see it? Why wasn't I there? I need personally to have an encounter with him. He didn't say that, but that's what his words were meaning. It's the same with you. He can hear that. In doing so, Jesus met, in coming, Jesus met Thomas's need for proof that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead and was alive. I told you at the beginning about Harrison. And when I realised Harrison wasn't telling the truth, I didn't want to embarrass him. I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to turn him off. I didn't want to reprimand him. And so a gentle laughter arose within me. To let him know I knew the truth. And I believe that that's the way that Jesus spoke to Thomas. I believe he looked with Thomas and Thomas could see the love in his eyes. Thomas could feel the closeness of him. 
And as he looked at Thomas, he says, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. I'm a conduit from God to you, and he's saying to you now, stop doubting and believe. He's the God of the miraculous, the God of the impossible. He's our God. And he's here today and he cares about you. He wants you to receive from him today. Today's Resurrection Sunday. What better day than the day that Jesus rose from the dead, won the victory over sin and death? What better day to come to Jesus and to receive the miraculous, just like we saw that great miracle on that great day when he, the power of God raised him from the dead? Just took one personal encounter with the living Christ, for Thomas to know that Jesus was alive, real, able and willing. The miracle was true. And because of that, Thomas was able to proclaim with absolute genuine heart, in utter amazement, he could proclaim, my Lord and my God. He knew that he knew that he knew that it was Jesus his Lord and his God. One encounter. Would the worship team please come up? You know, when we doubt and are having trouble believing truth, Jesus deals with you and me exactly the same way that he dealt with Thomas. He comes again and he'll even come again because he's the God of the second chance. He comes to your house He comes through the locked doors and the barriers of your life, of your heart, of your mind. He comes specifically for you to meet your need in response to your call, even if it's a somewhat silent call, he will come. He comes to bring the proof that you are seeking in response to your um, call to him, the reality of his existence, the reality of his presence, his power, his miracles. He'll bring it all to you um, so you need no longer doubt, you need no longer be discouraged, you need no longer be separated from him. You can have all the fullness, all the joy, everything you've experienced in this house today, you can have. You saw this morning... The outpouring of, I don't know, 200 plus, 300 hearts worshipping God. It was powerful. It was impacting. It was from people who knew what they had because they had Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And you could have that in this place today. He says to you, stop doubting and believe. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, we read that Jesus is the same yesterday, that's in the past, today, and forevermore for all eternity. He never changes, he never leaves us or forsakes us, even when we're completely faithless and we turn away from him. He is totally faithful because he's the same. What he did for Thomas, he can do for us. 
We also read in John um, chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Maybe you feel as if you have lost some life. Maybe something of the life that you had been enjoying has gone. Hurts and pains, traumatic life experiences come. Maybe you've never got out of that because maybe you've never known Jesus Christ. You're not in this place this morning by accident. God knows all about you. He knows exactly why you're here. You came because you needed to hear this message. You came because you needed to have an encounter with the living God. Um, Perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard the news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to know more. Maybe you've heard it before, but you've never taken the plunge and asked him to come into your life and make the changes that you know that you need. He's waiting for you to acknowledge that today. If you're thinking, I could believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did come to earth to die on a cross for me so that I could come into relationship with him, I know I've not been living the way that I want to live. I haven't been the way I want to be and I do want to change. Maybe you're thinking, I'm willing to take a risk and to ask Jesus to come into my life to help me. Then I want you to do something for me today so that I know that that's what you want to do. While everyone has their heads bowed in this place, if that's you, if you've heard this message and you're saying, yes, Pam, yes, I want to believe. I want to stop doubting. I need to have Jesus Christ in my life. I'm willing to say, here I am, Jesus, have me. Then will you lift your hand and just show me? Everyone's got their eyes shut. So it's not an embarrassment to you. So if you're that person, if you're somebody who's known God and gone away, and know that you need to come back, perhaps somebody who's never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I'm asking you right now, would you lift your hand and say, yes, Jesus, I hear you. He's in this place. He's watching you. He's nearby. Who would say yes today? Is there anyone in this place who would say yes? Okay. One last opportunity. Anyone who would like to say yes to Jesus today? I'm going to stop doubting and I will believe because Jesus is here. All right. If everyone could stand, please. What we're going to do is we're going to sing a final song and we're going to open up this altar. Now, you've heard the message. Jesus comes. He comes specifically to you. He'll come um, and get through those locked doors and those barriers that you've got in your life and your heart and your mind. If you're seeking help, seeking a way out, seeking an end to the things that are happening in your life, then this altar is open. As I lifted up my hands before, I could feel the presence of God in this place in a very powerful way. What's the miracle you need today? What's the change you're seeking? Then I'm saying come up and let the ministry team minister to you. Each of us is just a conduit of Christ. He works, works through us. So please, as the worshipers sing, worship team sings, then come forward and let us pray for you. Ministry team, if you could come forward, please. Thank you.